What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the After Effect Podcast. I am your host, LeBron Stephan. But you can call me LB, LBZ, L Boogie, Big Brian, 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 B Ron, LB, Bronny, whatever you choose. Welcome to episode 43. We have a very, very, very special guest. Adonis Thomas is on the show today. Borg, New Jersey native. Played his college football at the University of Toledo, where he was a mainstay and a star. Um, rushed for 2,578 yards and 18 touchdowns. Had an amazing preseason with the Browns, one of the best preseason date. And now is an entrepreneur and artist. Super, super, uber, duper excited to have him on this show. Just sent him the link and waiting for him to jump on. And we will go to work. What's good with you, bro? You can hear me? What's good, bro? Hey, man, I appreciate you calling out the time, man. Happy Saturday. Hey, same to you, man. Pleasure, pleasure to meet you, man. We've been talking yes, through the DMs and everything, but yeah, pleasure yeah. to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I've been tapping into your music uh, this this past week, man. Just, you know, try, trying to get more of an inside look, man. So uh, I'm, hey, excited. I'm excited you, about man. the conversation. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you, man. Hey, man, that mean a lot to me, you know, uh, just dropping music out of nowhere. I mean, like a lot of my friends do I could drop, like I could put words together, but actually putting content together to distribute. Yeah. It's been kind of, it's, it's kind of nervous. You get nervous about it at first, but then you right. get reviews when people kind of like put their right. mind at ease. But I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the, uh, I know the artist vibes, man, especially coming from an athlete to an artist because, you know what I'm saying, people kind of look at you crazy, like, man, why you doing music? Why you do? Because I, I got into acting probably like three years ago and I've done like okay. a bunch of commercials and guest stars and Little, little stuff just climbing the ladder, but every time an athlete move into the arts, man, people always kind of look at you crazy. Like, you think you could do that, or you think you could do that? Like, so it's always kind of a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, it, I I definitely feel that because uh, you know, once you play sports, like if you're from where you're from, people yeah. know you because you grew up there. Is it? But when you reach a certain level uh, of football or basketball or whatever you got going on you start meeting people that don't know you in that aspect. So exactly. when they hear different parts of your life or your upbringings and different things, that's like, damn, I never knew that. I never, so it's, it's, it gets you out of that box, you know, yeah. then it kind of gets you to uh, come into where you see yourself as instead of where they saw you. Right, 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 right. Most definitely, man. I could definitely attest to that. Well, this is called the After Effect Podcast, and I started this about seven months ago because I always felt like, as athletes, we have super powerful stories um, but but more importantly is the after effect, like when you have to figure out that transition out of sports. I've always felt like I have an after effect or after, but I've always felt like it was minimized. Like people just kind of expect you just to like, when it's over, it's over and you just go get a job or go do this or go do that. And it's like, it, I always felt like it was minimized. So this is a platform for us to kind of, you know what I'm saying, share games, share experiences, share stories, and more so to try to push the culture forward. Definitely, man, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I've always felt like we were more than athletes. So before I dive into your childhood, because I, I I got a bunch of uh, New Jersey friends, so we, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> I got a uh, uh, let me get your take on just a, cu- a couple current events, man. Um, who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year, and why? I know tomorrow's championship Sunday. It's only four teams left. Who do you have yeah, winning and why? Um, honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be Mahomes versus A Rod, and I feel like. If they can control Tyreek Hill, 
yeah. they could win the game. Because Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's he's very he's very very impactful. But yeah. if you can find a way to control Tyreek Hill in that deep ball, and you can control the clock, a veteran like A. Rod could beat the Chiefs. I'm like telling he can. You. I'm telling. Like, but Brady, Brady can't. If Brady, he don't turn the ball over like that in key moments. That's what saves him. But they're gonna lose to A. Rod, and then I don't really see Josh Allen. I don't really see him beating Mahomes in the right. Yeah, they yeah. They can't I, run the ball. Yeah, they yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see that either. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I I would love to see the the young goat versus the old goat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh Mahomes versus Brady. I would love to see that. But like you said, they in Lambo. It's supposed to be like 12 degrees tomorrow, snowing, and and and, and you know that's a rod in his element, man. So I I. I don't think they could beat but the Tom Packers. But Tom Brady, he was in, he was in Fox. He was look, he was in Foxborough. All Fox, that time, was doing the same thing. So you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Brady got you know he got experience playing in the cold. So like, it ain't gonna be nothing to him. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be a good game. You know, two quarterbacks that don't turn the ball over like that. But I'm still rooting for a Rod, man. I'm still yeah. rooting for a Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited about tomorrow, man. I feel weird not having football today after the last two weekends having having playoff. Football on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, man, for real. Spoil you that's because I mean at one point in time with the makeup games, you had games in the middle of the week. Man, you had on Tuesday. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got college teams playing on Wednesdays, NFL teams playing on Tuesdays, NFL teams playing on Thursdays. It's, right. it's, it was nonstop football. Right, right, time, right. So hey. That was just like there's nothing else to watch, man. Right. And hey, the, the uh, you use the perfect word, spoil. We was spoiled, but we had football on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then Thursday, the you know what I mean? Just like like you said, all those makeup games, man. So let me Definitely. ask you this. Um, we were both we were both we we were both born in nineteen eighty nine. We've never had to walk through a coronavirus pandemic. We've never had to wear masks. We've never seen the world shut down. So, like, how have you had to grow mentally, spiritually, emotionally, just, you know, just as a, as a, as a man and as, and as a black man over these last, what, almost 11 months? We're, we're literally almost at a year walking through this. So how have you had to grow during this time? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I, what helped me get through this time is I don't know if you've ever been injured before playing sports or had, like, been sidelined for an extended period of time. Yeah. So, uh, basically, it was kind of like when I had broke my femur in high school. You know, okay. I was like isolated. Like I was yeah. like isolated, you know, buried and I couldn't get out the bed. Um, needed help to navigate and everything. But it's just like I kinda like was able to learn more about myself, mm-hmm. learn more about sports and learn more about different things because I had nothing but time on my hands. Right. So when I had so when COVID first happened, you know, uh you you couldn't really go out, you couldn't really do much or nothing. It was able to it was easy for me to like shut down and start mm-hmm. basically like reading more catching up on current events that really impact the world, mm-hmm. um, trying to, like, like just trying to get involved in different business ventures and stuff like that. It really gave me the chance that I needed to to slow down because prior to that, you know, everybody, there's always something to do. Right. There's always right. something to do. Since it wasn't really anything, anything to do, it's just like you're going to either try to maximize your potential or you're just going to just, just stay the same. So, I mean, I right. just use that time to maximize my potential. Right, right. Same, same here, man. I, I can attest to that. Like you said, just feeling, feeling more so isolated and just having to – like you said, catch up on events, read more, just uh, pick, pick up whatever whatever hobbies that you kind of lost, you know, just on that daily grind, on that daily hustle. And, uh, yeah, just like you said, man, business ventures and just figuring things out, man. So, uh, yeah, that's that's dope. Um, last question, bro. What is your take? I know you graduated from a Mac school. I graduated from Big Ten school. What's your take on Deion Sanders kind of like, uh, taking that leap of faith and 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 coaching at an HBCU, kind of kind of putting HBCUs on 
Um, you know, I feel like it's been talked about a lot in the media that, you know, HBCUs, they don't have that platform. You know, we never hardly see their games on ESPN or ABC or anything like that. Take on Dion going to HBCU. Um, I, me personally, I feel I feel as though that's like a power move depending on who he can get on board with him. Mm -hmm. Just more so because uh, Deion Sanders is a very, 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 very powerful person when it comes to our community. Sorry, my phone is just tripping right now. Oh, um, yeah, no, he's, 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 a, he's a very, very powerful person when it comes to the African-American community. And as far as, like, different age ranges, you know, the young guys who never was around him, mm -hmm. they want to emulate him. A lot of guys that was born after 96, they don't know anything about Deion high-stepping in the, in the Dome and the Georgia right. Dome and everything like that. They don't right. really know about him going from San Fran to the, the going from San Fran to the Cowboys and then both of them winning championships in both places. They don't know right. nothing like that. Right. They just see highlights and they just see the praise that number 21 has. Right. But it's the guys that's in our age and the, and the guys that are older than us who kind of can say, okay, well, Deion is a good spokesman. I feel like if Deion Sanders was to put together an all-star cast, it would, it would really benefit HBCUs. And this is my genuine opinion that's growing up now being an adult and, and, and more of a conscious black man. It's just like, we give too much power as African Americans to a to a group of Caucasians that really don't have our best benefit. Right. You feel know what I'm, I'm saying? <laughs> if if, if I, college sports is, uh, is majority of African American men way out. You know, right. like seventy five percent of us grow up without our mothers. I'm telling. So you. we turn so we turn to sports and the, and the father figures in sports as our fathers and as our guidance to navigate through whatever we gotta go through. Right. But then we lose contact with that or conscious with that once we disassociate ourselves, whether we grow up in the inner city, we go to these big place, big schools in the, in the middle of nowhere. Right. Hence, I mean, I'm in this, I'm from North New Jersey. I went to high school that was 90, 99.7% black. I had four Puerto Ricans in my whole school. Mm -hmm. I had seven, I had six white teachers in a, and we had over 50 teachers. Right. So I always seen black. So when I go to school in the, in the Mid-American Conference and I'm in a school where it's predominantly white, I'm telling it's you. culture shock. Bro, same here. <laughs> yes. So I, I feel like if, and then when you look at the team, only thing you have a connection with on, on people with the team is like we band together as brothers because we're all of a demographic. Exactly. So when we are putting on and performing, we are surrounded by nothing but the, the majority when we're the minority. Right. But we hold all the cards. They're not coming here to see a lot of people that are of a, a different color. Right. So we took our melanin and went to an HBCU where we belong. Right. Contracts there. We could bring Nike there. We could bring mm -hmm. apparel deals there. Mm -hmm. We have a whole bunch of alumni. Uh, I mean, we, but HBCUs have a whole bunch of popular alumni in the music industry, fashion industry that can bring halftime shows. And then you can strip the power. Mm -hmm. You can really strip mm -hmm. the power because the melanin is the power. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's a uh, man. I, I, I talk that language. I, like you said, I definitely think it's a power move. Just the Dion effect, just in general. Like he, yeah. like, like you already see him on national commercials with Subway, things like that. But people forget that he worked for the NFL Network and ESPN for 12 to 15 years. So he know those showrunners. He know those mm -hmm. producers. He know the people that he need to set meetings with to pitch Jackson State, getting on ESPN2, getting on ESPN+, Plus, just having exactly. that bigger platform, getting different advertisement deals. He know exactly what to do. He's been doing it. So like exactly. you said, like you said, the power is in black and – the people come to see us, <laughs> the, all the athleticism and explosions, all that stuff. People come to see us. So 
Now, I, I think he a genius for real. I, and like you said, I definitely think it's, it's a power move. They already got some top recruits recruited to them already. He's only been there a couple of months, man. So exactly, definitely, definitely powerful to see, man. Especially, like you said, just having that PWI experience and 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 understanding it. And like you said, going through that culture shift and, and learning how to navigate through that. Like I, I remember for me, man, it took me about six months to even feel a little bit comfortable in Iowa City, Iowa. In a ninety-eight percent, in a ninety-eight percent white state, like it took me a long time just to feel a little comfortable. Cause I, you know, I, we, you know how we move from the mid, we you know how we move from the Midwest. I'm from Ohio. You from New Jersey? It's just a different, it's a different vibe. <laughs> yeah, my, my little cousin uh, Akron Wiley. I he had to, I, I had to. Oh, that's your cousin. Yeah, oh, I, I know that. Conversations with him, man. Yeah. You know, when I was telling him about choosing schools and everything like that, I had told him my experience when I went to Kansas State. And I was just saying, like, I mean, I didn't know his uh his his offer his offer range at that time, but I know when it, when a big school came in, I, I know he was going to take it because he's a, he was a big time talent, still is a big time talent, and wanted to play the big time school. But I also threw at him like, yo, it's a yeah, different world it. out there, yeah, baby. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, then politics, there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's politics, and then you know when you get out there, you have to adjust, you know, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know now that you're away from the nest, you're a man. Yeah, you yeah, know, so yeah. you, you know, like you, you gotta basically learn how to stand on your own too, provide exactly. for yourself, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 a different dynamic, and you know, he did a phenomenal job of adapting, you know. But it's mm-hmm. just that, just 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 basically going to somewhere different that people don't understand. It's just mm-hmm. like it's 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 it's, it's, it's it can a make different. Or break you. Yeah, yeah, it it's a different experience. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I know, we seen a lot of people come to college and like yeah, it didn't make sudden, it. Yeah party their way out or flunk their way out because they yep. couldn't stay in there or couldn't take the coaching and fold yep. it because they were like they were put on the pedestal wherever they were at yep. you know yep. couldn't yep. wait their turn you know because yep. they didn't want to learn again so it's a whole it's a lot of, of different stories yeah that's people facts. don't understand that no people yeah. do not understand that <laughs> and 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 that was the big that was the big transition for me um because growing up i was always coached by by black coaches so okay having to go to, to iowa and be coached by white coaches i could take I could take tough coaching, but it was just some of the per like like hearing personal shit from a white guy like like that made you know what I'm saying that put me in an aspect where like okay let's take it outside like let's you know what I mean like you you, you know how we grow up so <laughs> so so <laughs> that that was hard to compartmentalize for me because you you know how we grow up it's like like I I never experienced that like this man saying something about Cleveland saying something about Glenville. Why he yelling at me like man like I but I really like I really dog it you don't like fly it, it, right. it don't yeah, fly it, right it just man. yeah 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 it's it's, it's it's just a hard thing and like you know what I'm saying it took me a while yeah. to to uh to to balance that or accept it you know whatever you want to call it man but yeah like you say Definitely. people don't really understand what that's it's so many different things pulling at you too and you still trying to find yourself you 18 19 20 21 exactly you developing you growing you know what I'm saying but it's yeah it's it's just a hell of an experience exactly Definitely. Uh, so let me dive in your childhood, man. Newark, New Jersey, native, man. So one of my good friends, Mike Daniels, he's from Blackwood. Another good friend. Big Mike, uh, that's my yeah. boy. Oh, okay. Mike, we played uh, in the governor's bowl together, man. You, uh, you, know, yeah. you know he used to play fullback? He told, yeah, he told me. He showed me, he showed, he showed me clips. Hey, yo, I'm going to send you a link. <laughs> I'm going to send you a link when he was my fullback in the governor's bowl, man. He was like, oh, he was wow, I didn't know. He was like a, he, he was like a supreme wrestler on top of that. And we yeah, all, all state. state. We all yeah, we all lived in it. We roomed together, but we all lived in the same, like, basically, uh, dorm room because okay. we lived in the governor's bowl. Ruckus was empty. 
Okay. So he was in there like just whooping ass, like just like molding people. Yeah, like, dog, the bigger, dog. The bigger you was, like the easier it was to just mold you up. Like, and, he, and I'm like, yo, I, I said, yo, uh, he's supposed to go to Iowa for the fullback. Yeah. So him and uh, I'm not sure if you know a guy by the name of Des Moses. Uh, Bro, that De- De- Desmond, that's my dog. That's who I was just about to bring up. Desmond, that's that, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah, so we were on the government board with the Iowa, you know, like son Mike started having like this unreal success. Like this, like this, he moved into the three and he just was unreal. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mike's yeah. a cool dude, man. That's oh, yeah, cool Mike. dude too. Yeah, yeah, Mike, uh Mike Thurman. I'm actually having him back on for episode tomorrow since, since he's finally in the offseason. I've already had Desmond on too. Uh, but yeah, New, uh, Newark, New Jersey native. I've, I always felt like I gravitated towards New Jersey guys. I don't know. I just feel like we kind of from the same culture, being New Jersey and Ohio. So um, um, talk about just paint me a picture on how it was growing up there in the nineties. Uh, I, you know, we don't we didn't have what the kids have now. We had we, it was no internet. It was no iPhones. It was no YouTube. It was none of that. We was really outside playing, interacting, doing things like that. So paint me a picture on how it was in Newark, New Jersey, because I I know that. I know it's, it's 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 pretty dangerous too. Every time I see the top five dangerous, most dangerous parts, you know, Cleveland in there, Jersey in there, Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So paint me a picture of how that was in the '90s growing up. So, like you said, I, like it's always like I'm gonna try to create a parallel. So, you know, like I don't know what it is about, like you said, New Jersey and Ohio, but every time I've went to anywhere, like far as like a camp or anything like that, I've always connected with people from. East Cleveland, you know, like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. always East Cleveland. So when I actually had went to got the chance, but uh, you know, take cousin Pootie, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Edward Edwin. I, I always mess his name up, but <laughs> yeah. uh, Pootie had they had took me out there, and I okay. swear to God, asked say when you speak to him, it felt like North New Jersey. It felt yeah. just like North New Jersey. I, it was yeah. like to the point where I felt comfortable to just pick up the crackhead bikes and start riding them and stuff like that. Yeah, so you know, yeah. it's like the environment. It was it like it it, it, just, it just felt like home, you know. So okay. you know, just being from a rough inner city, you know, you you grow up and you kind of your uh, your spider senses for danger, you know, mm-hmm. they're heightened mm-hmm. because you know every day situation exactly. So um, just like my upbringing, you know, I, I can't really say and say like it was it was it was all bad, you know. It was it was my mother did the best she could with me and my uh, older sister, you know, grow up without a dad, just like a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, sports really was like an avenue that kind of kept us off of the streets. But mm-hmm. once we got older and we lacked guidance because we didn't have no male role model in the house, mm-hmm. the streets became our fathers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of us, when football was over and we didn't want to play basketball or we didn't want to do whatever the case may be, like a lot of the other kids was doing, we got uh, introduced to certain things in the streets that took some of our friends' lives or took yeah. put some of our friends in federal prisons who will never come home. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, one thing about my neighborhood is that we always had that we don't have a lot, and I don't know if it's the same thing in your neighborhood. It's like a lot of the good guys get told on and killed, mm-hmm. and the ones that are liars and rats, they come home and they kind of like control the environment. Wow. So when I was growing up, we had a lot of older guys who would basically be like, "Hey, you got talent. You could play basketball. You could play football. I know you want to make your little money and whatever the case may be. You want to trap, but if you need anything." You come holler at me. You feel yeah, what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. You got a future. You had the little bookworm dudes who would who, who you had the bookworm dudes who mm-hmm. would just be into be into the books and you know what? Don't bother him. Yeah. yeah. He, he don't bother <laughs> nobody. I, I see somebody bothering him. Y'all got a problem with me. We had those, we had that type of guidance. Yeah. So 
when people saw that I had talent, it was more so I was running with the wrong crowd. But when they saw that I had talent, it was like they would try to navigate me away from it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it at first. So it took me to lose one of my closest friends at the age of 17, I mean, 18, to be like, yo, I really need to get away. Like, yeah, I really yeah. need to get away from this. Yeah. So everything that, like, a lot of the older guys was telling me, it was kind of like they like, they had my best interest. Mm-hmm, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm as I started taking advice, I never had a father. So my advice came from honest street guys, you know, guys who were active in the street, guys who had basically distanced themselves from the streets or guys who I grew up with who I still kept in contact via prison phone and helped mm. raise me into the person that I became because mm. everybody just saw like I had the ability I was I had the infectious personality in the neighborhood but mm. sometimes I would I would basically be hanging with the wrong people or protecting mm-hmm. the wrong people and that mm-hmm. kind of puts you in a in the middle of a jam when some of your friends want to kill some of your friends you know yeah, yeah, and it's kind of yeah so yeah so it's those situations and just to have those that those other ears in my voices in my ears, like yo, you know what? Like if that was your friend, he wouldn't put you in this situation. If that mm-hmm. was your friend, he wouldn't do this to you. Like so, it's kind of like you start getting those people in your corner, and it kind of pushes, it kind of forces you to go into the right the right direction. And I'm just kind of happy that I listen to a lot of those men. Yeah, yeah, that's um that's powerful. Like you said, growing up without a dad, and you having to kind of navigate and yearn for information, but also having the word thought to know who to believe and who not to believe and things like that. I think, man, I, I had both of my parents in my life. I mean, they got a divorce when I was 10, but I still, my dad was still really active. And man, I, I don't know where I would be without my father, just all the lessons and all the game, uh, really, 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 uh, really taught me how to read people you know, at, a, at a really young age, who to hang out with, who not to hang out with. And exactly. All the, all the, all the guys that he, he that he used to say when I was eight, nine, ten years old, man, he gonna end up getting being in jail or being killed. Every single guy that he named out that I used to hang out with, like th- literally one of those two things happened. So it's like, man, I, I couldn't imagine having to navigate through that, you know what I'm saying, without a dad. But Yeah, just, man, it's 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 frustrating at times because it feel like, you know, um at, growing up now, I, and you you can attest to this as a man, you need that dominant force in your household. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you need that. Like, you need somebody to come home in fear. But at a certain point in time, you, like, I know as a man, like, your mother can't do nothing with you. I'm lifting weights. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in the weight room getting right. Like, right, right. so, my, like, my mother, what? My mother's 5'4". Like, you know, like, I, I like if I, if I really want to get out here and do something, like, it's nothing you can do to stop me. <laughs> like only thing you could do, only thing you could do is like is what you did do. You know, you call my godfather, and my godfather sat to say, I mean, he, he's a, he's a phenomenal dude, but he's a maniac. And like my mother understood, like I was scared of him because of his reputation. I respect yeah. his reputation. I respected him, and she knew a, a lot of honest guys like that. So those were the guys she had to submit in my life because mm-hmm. you know, as 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 a young child, you know, once you once you uh, hear about people's reputation, that reputation precedes them. And you and you find out that your mother is very, 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 very cool with these people. And these are people that people, the streets are praising. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, why? I gotta listen to him. Mm-hmm, like definitely. I have to. Like, right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you were you had the luxury of growing up, you know, with both with with both people in, in your yeah. corner, and that's and that's phenomenal. And look how you turned out, man. Like, right, right, man. It's 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 a blessing, man. It's it's crazy because I used to look up to my uncle growing up, uh, and. He went away when I was probably like eight or nine. He ended up doing 12 years. He was into some, into some things that, you know, I didn't know about. I didn't find out until later. But uh, it, it was weird because, like, my, my parents would, like, try to try to keep me away from him. You know, I, w- I would try to, like, ask, like, you know, whenever he called home, could I, you know, could I talk to him? 
because I I, oh. I really look I really looked up to him. So other than my dad, I was yearning for somebody else to look up to, like in my neighborhood. But when when he went away, it was kind of hard for me to find that. And that's when I kind of started hanging with the wrong guys, getting in a little trouble here and there, like, and and obviously like probably towards middle school, it started to kind of become frequent. My grades started dropping just all that kind of stuff. So I think it's definitely a journey just navigating through any inner city, man, because you you being pulled in so many directions on what's cool, what's not cool, like, you know, getting girls and getting money and all those kinds of things, man. So, but like you said, we we, we both turned out pretty solid, man. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. When, when for you, when did it, when did that like year come for you? Like when you started maybe, you had that growth spurt or, 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 or you got super, super fast. You really started like killing this sport. So you started getting those, those college letters and it really started to dawn on you. Like, all right, maybe I could like probably go to college for this. Cause for me, it was probably like 10th grade. Uh, you know what I mean? So when, when did that happen for you? I'm going to be honest with you. And I mean, I, and I, I kind of wish I was in the car, my mother, so she can tell you this. It happened to me when I was like, literally my, uh, my eighth grade year, I got a letter from Colgate. In eighth grade? I got a letter from Colgate. Not an offer, yeah. I got a letter from Colgate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, you was that so guy. Look, <laughs> so it was right then and there. Like, my mother didn't know what it was. Like, we re really didn't know what it was. We thinking Colgate. Like, we thinking it's the damn tube. Like, but it had my name on it. Like, it had yeah, my yeah. name on it. Yeah. So my mother took it to practice, and then, like, all of the coaches were just looking at me, like, and then it was just like, I, I didn't realize what I was doing because I was just having fun. Like, yeah, I didn't right. realize. I was at it, like, when I look back at that, or when my friends talk back about sports, it was like, I realized my chance when we won the championship and I looked back at that whole Avery year and it was like, yo, I'm like superior. <laughs> it was like, and then when I went to high school, I ended, I started at high school as a freshman and I put up a thousand as a freshman, but I already had that mindset. Like from yeah. eighth grade, it was like, yo, yeah, I'm better than everybody. But it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a standpoint to where it was like, um, I, I'm looking down on people. It's like, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah, a superficial was, thing. It was just yeah, like, it was like, it was like, nah, I'm like, here. Yo. I'm nice. <laughs> exactly. It was like it was like yo, because I didn't get that battery in my back into that letter. It was like yo, a college wanted me in the eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, I and that and that'll put that battery in your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even go there. I got a letter from Colgate. I was in the eighth grade. It was like it was a, uh, it was uh, it was like October or November that year, and it was just like we were so confused. They mm -hmm. want me to come to the orientation and everything. We was like, what the hell? Like my, yeah. my mother was just shocked. That's crazy. My, I've never yeah. heard anybody getting letters in middle school. You you, Yo, you had to be that Colgate, guy. From Colgate. And then when I look <laughs> back on it, I look back on it, and um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a guy by the name of Will Hill. He played, um, he, was, he was coming out of New Jersey, and uh, me and him played against each other. And, like, his name was Boo Boo at the time. That's what they, that's like what they called him around the area. And mm -hmm. it was like, he, his side of town, it was him. And on my side of town, it was me. We played each other. <laughs> we played against each other. Okay. He had five touchdowns. I had six touchdowns. And we, my six touchdowns ended up winning us the game. And yeah. then when we looked back at everything, it was like, yo, I was averaging like five touchdowns a game. Like killing. Man, yeah. I heard you, I heard you say you went for a rack your freshman year. Yeah, I went for a rack my freshman. I went for a rack my freshman year on a hundred on a on a hundred and uh on hundred and sixty three carries. <laughs> at 14, bro. Like man, that's, yeah, that's 14, crazy. 15. And then look, I got injured my sophomore year, and that's what kind of that's what kind of made me like that, that, that's I that's when want... the femur thing happened. Yeah, okay, that's when okay. that happened. It kind of like it shell shocked me because you know, like I thought I was invincible. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was like, I was coming into the season, I'm like super sophomore. Yeah, you know, I'm you probably you probably had never been hurt. Yeah, never. <laughs> I had yo, I have I had the closest I think I had got to getting hurt. 
is when I had a quad contusion in Little League. Like, right. And that was like, right. that was the closest thing. I never had no ankle, no knee, no bones, right. no nothing. Right. So my coming into the season, like, I'm like, I got, I'm getting a lot of steam. Everybody's just like, hey, where I go? I'm getting like newspaper write-ups and all that stuff coming into the, like the season or like the team's going to be led by me as a sophomore. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm I'm feeding into it because I'm working out, I'm killing. I'm just like one of the best summers prior to uh me rehabbing, but that's like one of the best summers I ever had. And I'm like, oh my, kill this year. So we so coming into the game, uh, I mean, uh, first first series of the game, I got injured, and I had what, I had four, I had four carries for fifty yards, and on my fourth carry, my good friend, my childhood friend, Jerome Murphy. He hits me late on the sideline and breaks my femur. Ah oh, man, yeah man. I couldn't, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine that that kind of pain. Yo, at first, you know the adrenaline. You don't yeah. really, you don't really feel nothing. Yeah. So once you, once you get that adrenaline, once that, once it dies down, it's like, oh shit, like my leg broke. Yeah. Like my leg, like my leg messed up. You take me leave with you. Okay. Um, I'm like my leg broke, and then like I ain't realized. Like I'm thinking like I, right, I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna be high. Right. I'm gonna be high. Yeah, right. yeah, my yeah. leg was spent around. Thing was like something was dislocated. But then we get to the hospital. We get like a, they they hurry up and get me to the hospital. So now I'm getting I'm panicking now. Like I'm panicking because yeah, yeah. like they weaving through traffic. Like they just like I'm gonna meet my mother and my sister in the truck, yeah. and they weaving through traffic. We an ambulance weaving through traffic. They take me to the hospital. They took me to the hospital and they told me how my leg was broken. Like I could have punctured like um one of my arteries. So they had to take me and airlift me from that hospital to another hospital to get surgery. Mm. So once all of that, like once everything, like I got out of surgery and everything, it was just like, I had that doubt, like, y'all don't never want to play football. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, injuries do that, bro. <laughs> hey, I, yo, I've never in my life had that doubt after that. But yo, I had that <laughs> doubt because I heard everybody saying like, Yo, I mean, I don't play football because they be hitting hard. I'm like, man, you got pads. Or I always say, because I used to wear every pad. I was like, Eric Dickinson. I had the elbow pad, the hip pad, the tail pad, the knee pad. The hip you pad. give me a pad, red cage on. You give me, and the reason why I did that, because look, I was a, like, my freshman year, I'm 137 pounds playing running back, yeah, starting yeah. varsity. And That's crazy. to make a to make a 137? Parallel, yeah, yeah. You, you was yeah. a small dude. So to make a parallel, like imagine somebody playing that uh y'all Glenville D one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so Glenville Glenville D one. And I was playing in the conference, I was like Glenville, but imagine if you imagine you had Glenville, you had Canton, you had Coleraine, yeah, you had all of the best high schools in like basically in the in the area, all yeah. grouped that wasn't Catholic and like that. You had all them grouped in a public conference. So we had the SEC at our conference. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a freshman coming in there wilding, but I'm 137 pounds, and they was trying to nail me. Oh, I already like, know. <laughs> I came in my 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 freshman year in high school. I was like 195, and everybody thought I was huge. Like Jeez, you, you, you I almost prayed I was 195. <laughs> I prayed. I prayed. Yeah, yeah. I, bet, I I can only imagine, bro. So talk about man your recruiting process. What went into your decision to, you know, choose Toledo over, uh, over who, I'm sure you probably had a lot of other offers. So what, 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 what went into your decision? Did you have any offers like, you know, that were closer to New Jersey? Did you have like a dream school? You know, what, what, what was that like? Um, believe it or not, my dream school, and this is, this will make a lot of people laugh when I tell them this. My dream school actually was San Diego State because Marshall fought with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I like, and then with me getting older, understanding sports, like I understand, like at San Diego State, like they run the ball. 
Yeah. So yeah. I like ideally that's my best situation because like as a running back, who don't want 25 to 30 carries and seven to 10 catches. Like the offense runs through the running back. Right. I got like one or two letters from San Diego State, but this is probably before I realized how the recruiting process went. Mm -hmm. So I ain't really understand like that the recruiting process is like, you know what, like at that point in time, like your, your, your coach really gets the door open for you, but your talent mm -hmm. kind of breaks the door open for you. Mm -hmm. So when, I, when I'm realizing that, I'm like, all right, so my coach not really sending out no film or whatever the case may be. And I'm kind of just like a lot of people around me realize like other schools was I didn't realize other schools were were telling other schools about me mm -hmm. because like when they would um, watch film on like would say they're recruiting a linebacker and they were or they recruiting a safety or they recruiting whatever mm -hmm. and they was like who the hell is this kid twenty like who is that number twenty and they were like, that's a Donis Thomas from Shabazz that's a Donis Thomas from this and it was kind of like they were putting other schools on me. And my my coach at the time was a horrible coach because he wasn't really doing his doing the job because it was like I should have had I should have had way more offers than I had. I was getting letters, handwritten letters from Georgia, Florida, yeah. um, Arkansas, North Carolina State, North Carolina, like all all big time schools. But my coach really didn't like he really didn't yeah. help me out. Yeah, my so, I remember I remember Mike Daniels was telling me about that. He was saying how like back then, two thousand six, two thousand seven, especially in Jersey. Oh, yeah, like, it was hard. Like, yeah, he, he said, yeah, he said, like, like the coaches wasn't, like, they, they weren't really tapped into the college coaches. Like, they so, wasn't. so you all didn't have your level of exposure was like, it wasn't that high. And he was saying they how wasn't. he had, he got one of, like, his junior varsity coach to help him make his highlight tape. And then he actually helped him mail the highlight tape out to all these different schools. That's how he started getting this, the few offers that he got. But he, I was like, mm -hmm. but he was like, he really had to like build it from the ground up and like really do grassroots promotion basically. Like me, me uh, my mother, and I always tell a story that, that kind of like made me take football serious because I was doing a lot of other stuff and it was like football got put on the back burner, I got put in the right direction. Yeah. But I always tell people like, it was a security guard from my school and, um, and one day I was, uh, I was the man. So you know, you like you the man in public school. You know, mm -hmm. you just gotta really show up. Right, just, right. Just show up to school, <laughs> go to class, sign in, chill for a little bit. You know what right. I mean? So you can do what you want. You can leave class, go to the gym, exactly, exactly. walk the hallways, do what you every lunch period. You feel me? Like so. Make a long story short, I'm cutting class in the morning, right? And. I really never really, I was never going to go to a small town school because I already understood. Like, they tried to sell me because I was undersized that, you know, why be a small fish in a big pond when you could be a big pond, a big fish in a small in a, in a pond. Small so, pond. Yeah, yeah. so come play for Delaware State. Come play for <laughs> fucking Lehigh. Come play for... And that was they pitch, that was they pitch, huh? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right, like, right. Like, I'm, I, first time I cut class, like, first day, like, first period, I cut class, running to the coach from Delaware. He there early as fuck. So... Yeah. I'm like, um, talking to him, whatever the case may be. Then I, uh, then he leave, and then the Ivy League school came in there. I know I'm not going to no Ivy League school because <laughs> I don't have the grades to go there. Right. So right. they just kind of wanted to talk to me, you know. They just wanted to talk to me, and I think it was either, um, it was them, uh, Princeton. They per, I mean, they uh, they orange. So Princeton, it was the orange school. They talked to me real quick, but okay. when, like, my boy Speedy, he was in a library or whatever, and. He was he pulled up my rivals. I didn't even know I had a rivals. He pulled up my rivals. Yeah. And he showed me like Tennessee was interested in me. Like mm. it said, medium interest. And I'm like, yo, I ain't I, I probably got one letter from Tennessee. 
Yeah. Why the head coach from Tennessee was uh he was in the film room, uh basically watching my film when I was about to go cut class to go watch film in the film room. I'm in there with with one of the uh, with the head coach from Tennessee. Wow. And me and him just had like a real like a real chop it up session. And yeah. it was like he, he was talking to me about um, cause my my sophomore year, they didn't do homeschooling in my when I where I uh, grew up at. So when I broke my femur, I basically had just sat out a year of school. So I had to yeah. play catch up. Yeah. So he was telling me like all of the JUCOs I can go to, but like when I saw how adamant, like how adamant this man was about getting me to Tennessee, I'm like, damn. Yeah. This is around the time when Tennessee was fairly decent, you know, like shit. Yeah. Eric Berry was there. Um, yeah, Ontario yeah. Artistry was there. They had a nice yeah. little squad, but I'm like, yep. I remember I'm that like, run. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this man really came into my school. Like, I'm like, oh, the, the head man. Yeah. So that's when I really just, like started to get the ball on track. And then right after that, me meeting with him, my old running back coach, um. Uh, um, Andre Taylor, his first cousin was Raheem, is Raheem Morris, who uh, okay. was the head coach for uh, Tampa DC? Bay Buccaneers for a little bit. Okay, now he's yeah. well, interim head coach last DC. Yeah, now he yeah. just got on with the Rams, but he was at Kansas State at the time. And when he okay. saw my tape, he just jumped on it. He's like, Yo, I'm offering him. I don't yeah. want nobody else to get this kid. Okay. So then I go out and I, I, I made him start talking and everything cool. And I'm like, and that's when the recruiting process started to get annoying because you had, um, a whole bunch of schools just coming out of nowhere, you know, like Temples, like Rutgers tried to come in late. Temple came in, yeah, um, yeah. Toledo, Bowling Green, like uh, Memphis. Um, I used to start having a whole bunch of schools coming in, right. but it's kind of like I was looking at offenses. You know, I like football, so I'm looking at okay. I, at that time, Temple wasn't good. They had Al Golden was just getting a job, so I'm like, he told me, he told me, he's like, yo, if you go to Toledo, we gonna whoop y'all ass every time we play y'all. So look. <laughs> The first time he played us, they did whoop our ass, and the second time we whooped their ass. But, <laughs> um, but now he had a good he had a good run out of there getting people drafted. Yeah. But um, like I was looking at offenses, and then I was looking at Kansas State what they had to do with Darren Sproles, and I'm like, yo, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I want to do. Yeah. So then when I went out there to Manhattan, Kansas, I so I just committed. I'm like, yo, cool, I committed. Florida backed off. Uh, everybody just backed off from me because I told him I was like, I'm going to Kansas State because I'm like, I love their offense, but they do with their running back. Right. Went to Manhattan, Kansas. Me and my mother hated it. <laughs> it ain't. It's nothing out there. I had a homie that went out there. It's, 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 it's nothing hated out there. Hated it. Yeah. When I say I hated it, bro, I knew it wasn't for me. When I did, when I learned that they had tornadoes and then they had underground passageways, you had to go to go to class if it was cold out there, if it was a tornado yeah. morning, yeah. like a just the route. state of Kansas just seems kind of weird. Like, <laughs> yo, the speed limit we was at was seventy five. That's when I knew I was in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> I ain't yeah. still to this day. I, I seen that probably one time in Michigan, but other than that, the speed limit was seventy five, bro. Yeah, and yeah. Th and then um, I just really didn't like Manhattan, Kansas. So it was like when I fell out of that, it was like um. Temple tried to come back and swoop me, but I'm like, Temple is too close to home. Mm -hmm. And a lot, and around that time, I knew like me being too close to home, I would go home a lot. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need something that's gonna get me away. And like, I'm, I'm looking at Memphis, I'm like, nah, that's too far. Then I was like, Bowling Green, I'm like, nah, because I ain't really never heard nothing about nobody coming out of there as far as like running back wise. Right, right. I know, then I know, I, was, I know Urban Meyer used to coach there, but he was on there for like two years and he, and he went yeah, to but Utah. the only, but look, the quarterback, it was the quarterback, Brandon Jacobs. That I mean, whatever, whatever Jacobs, he got himself a, a position in the NFL, yeah. but not no running back. Um, right, right. And then with Toledo, I started like doing my research, and it's like, okay, all right, you got Chester Taylor, mm -hmm. you had this dude named Wasan Tate. You had now Jalen Parmalee coming up. You had a uh, you had Trinity Dawes, a couple other guys that had some good like did some some good runs or whatever when they mm -hmm. was there. So mm -hmm. y'all running back featured offense. So it was like 
I was like, all right, like, this is the best bet. Then when I went out there, there was nothing but love. It was like a whole big family. Like, it was a whole big family. The other places that I go, I had went to, and I'm not going to speak on that because I don't really, like, know those guys. But other places that I went to, like, far as, like, recruiting places, um, I get to talk about other dudes on the team openly mm-hmm. in front of people. Like, I'm like, yo, where's, like, the um, where's the privacy at? Like, yeah, com- you, confidentiality. Yeah, like, and then you talking bad about another man, and then that man walk in, you dab him up, and it had my head all messed up. Like, I'm like, yeah. yo, like, I don't want to be out here. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. So, um, um, what was that trend? What, what was yeah, that? And that's how I landed at Toledo when I had decommitted from not liking Kansas State. That's exactly how and I went to Toledo. Toledo. I got you. So, I, I, I heard you would kind of expound on that transition, it being a culture shock. What was your transition like? Just kind of go into more details. Uh, because, like we talked about earlier, you know, uh, c- coming from the inner city and going to an all black school and only having, like you said, six, six white teachers, I think I may have had less than that. Not never really interacting with white people other than because I, I, I hoop too. So other than like talking trash on the court or talking trash on the field, like, you know, we, we used to play the white schools in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I never yeah. interacted with white people. So uh, like you say, it was just a culture shock. And it took me a long time to start kind of getting used to. I felt like, because, you, you know, we talk a certain way from Ohio. You y'all, y'all talk a certain way from Jersey. But I mm-hmm. feel like I had to like, 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 Changed my lingo. I couldn't say for show, and, and it's going and just See, just, look, just different ways I talk. I that's what I didn't do, man. But it's kind of like I, um my culture shock like w- w- was more so uh the distance, you know, like because you grew up in the Midwest. Me yeah. growing up in the Northeast, you don't need a car for shit. Like you yeah. can really just navigate around. Oh yeah, foot yeah. or before Uber, we had cabs. Yeah. So it was like you can always get somewhere fast. Yeah. When I moved to the Midwest, I needed a car. Right. Like I needed a car. Like you have to have a car to survive. Right. Like you have to. <laughs> so it's just like that was the first adjustment. It was like when I realized I'm like, yo, I am on campus. When campus shut down, I have no way to get anything. Like right. all I gotta try to wait <laughs> to somebody going to the grocery store to fill up my little refrigerator in my Did y'all I'm about to say, did y'all have like did y'all did Toledo have like buses that you could take around the campus or something like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah and no, because okay. it's kind of like you got the little buses, but they be jam packed, and yeah, then they yeah. don't. And our campus ain't really too, too, too big, so it kind of like put you at destinations on campus. It's not gonna take you like, like nowhere. Okay, so I say you need to go to like a store. It'll take you like to like the building that's like a fifteen minute walk from the store. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. Think you gotta about walk. It. You, get, you gotta walk fifteen minutes there. Yeah. You gotta walk fifteen minutes back and then wait for the bus. Yeah. It's like I'd rather take my chances and not mean getting cool with some of these chicks who I know ain't on ain't on no scholarship who need these swipes or exactly. need these books. Like bro, bro, <laughs> yeah. bro, bro, I was just about to say that, bro. <laughs> me, me, me and my homie, bro, it took us, it didn't take us long. We was like, okay, okay. Like we started to learn the game. We like, okay. For real. So 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 for us to get to Walmart and get to all these different places off campus. We gotta start talking to women who got their own cars, who who live off mm-hmm. campus, like who who could pick us up or, or let us drive it for a day and stuff like that. So we already kind of knew how to navigate that. Like, okay, I gotta get to Walmart. Okay, I need to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, yo. But my thing is, we I had the same technique, but mine was never with the pretty girls. It was always the cool fat chicks because <laughs> I ain't want to be seen with no pretty chick car. She start catching feelings or whatever. So like, yeah. I always just like. 
And then you know the big girls. If you if you look, if you know you got unlimited swipes, like our middle point was ridiculous. Man, so, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, unlimited. They only getting like they only getting like what four or five swipes. Yeah, they not day. getting a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my thing is like, oh, alright, cool. Like, yo, you gonna take me to Walmart? Oh yeah, yeah. You and your friend, y'all can take my car to the lunchroom. Y'all can take my car here. Y'all can take my car here. Y'all, you, or you got me and you got the same class. Look, keep the book. Like, just basically, just look. When you do your paper, just not. Nah, <laughs> Like my, I ain't never had no pretty help. All my yeah. help was the ugly help because the pretty help come with too many problems. Man, it always, it always come with problems. You know that. You know that. It's, it's, it's never a school, bro. The big chicks and the ugly chicks that, that know the friend zone thoroughly, they don't look. They give you whatever you want with no problem. Man. No problem. <laughs> right, and they right. they you up with the pretty girls, too. Right, right. I said um uh, before you jumped on, um I said in your intro that, that you rushed for two thousand five hundred seventy eight yards, eighteen touchdowns. What uh, what what moments stand out to you during your Toledo career, man? Obviously, obviously a, a, a great career. Any moments like really really stand out at the top of your head? Um, I say at the shoe, we should have won in the shoe. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like was that like, what, I, what, what was 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 CEO y'all quarterback? T.O. was, uh, he was swapping in. We had a dual okay. quarterback system. I remember but, that. Um, I remember y'all had, a couple of y'all had like the yellow spat and like the yellow hey, wrist. Yo, I'm like, man, they out there, there saucing. <laughs> Bro, look, we came in there. And, that, and like, this is, I tell like, I trained with Dan Heron. I trained with DeVere Posey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like, they, yeah. They, they, they real boom, cool boom, guys, Yeah, yeah, know? boom, boom. That's that's my guy. We played against Warren Hart uh, in, in high school. And, that's my guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, boom. Like, boom, a real, real good dude, man. Got a good yeah. heart, man. That's a good guy. And um, I was like, I was trying, uh, what's the dude's name? Because uh, Mike Daniels and the, the dude, Paul, they came in like once or twice, but they was training out of state a lot. Uh, yeah. I think in Florida, if I'm not mistaken, before Boone went down to the Florida too. Um, but I started be telling like, yo, if, if if we, like no bullshit, if, if our quarterback was probably like a year older, we would have mopped the floor with y'all, bro. Yeah, because like, I remember y'all was banging with him like for like, the first like three quarters, right? But then they blew it open in the fourth and something like that. Nah, I remember, look, I remember watching so the game. This, so look, this is what happened. We lost 27-22. Okay. Okay. So the only key play that that they really had, and this is my and this is my guys on this pain, they had a punt return, but it was two clips on that punt return that didn't count. I mean, that uh, they didn't call, so they gave him the punt return. Yeah. But our one turnover as we were driving the ball, we turned the ball over one time that game, and they had two turnovers. No, they had. No, they had one turnover, and we had one turnover. But odd to one turnover, it was on the drive. Like we was driving down the field, and they really couldn't move the ball through the air like that. Like they was trying to keep it on the ground, but we was mm-hmm. doing a good, a good job of what's name stopping the run. They was trying to be aggressive and blitz. They know we had a, a running quarterback, and we had a uh, we had a throwing quarterback. So they was just trying to just send the house. Mm-hmm. We just kept screening them to death, and kept running cross and rise man beaters and stuff like that. But T.O. Mm-hmm. T.O. My boy. <laughs> he made a he made a rookie mistake, and, okay. it's, and it's, it's it's a I mean he was, he was like a freshman yeah he was like a freshman sophomore yeah now uh-huh. he's a sophomore but yeah. he's young he, I mm-hmm. mean you young you play in front of one hundred seventeen thousand or whatever the case may be sure you I played in there I played you in there <laughs> you get that momentum going you got a couple little drives you got a couple little completions underneath your belt now you look now you feeling yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stick to the game plan. Look, stick to the game plan. What did he do? He, he threw a pick or he fumbled? He threw, he threw a pick, but he tried to squeeze it. He tried to He's squeeze a ball. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, you could have just threw the five yards. You never go broke making a profit. That's what our that's what our offensive coordinator always say. So mm. take the five. I'm yeah. right there. I'm wide open. Take the five. 
Just yeah. go, just, 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 just dump it down. All us fellas, hit your check now. Yeah. He, I mean, he, I mean, he was living in the moment, you know. Because if look, the ball would have got through, it was a huge play. Yeah. So you yeah. know, you, you gambling. Lucky le lefty with that gamble. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> look, you gambling with the whole team, with the whole team future. If you don't make this throw, yeah. You made that throw, and then they would go down and they score on the drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you made that throw, they picked it off, got like a, like a little twenty-five yard return, and then they go on the drive and they score, and mm -hmm. then we score again. But it's kind of like if we would, even if we would have got three on that, they wouldn't have got that seven that easy. We had to drive the whole distance of the field instead yeah. of only going in from the forty. You feel what I'm yeah. saying? What year so, was that? That was 2010, 2009? I, I was 2000, uh, 2011, 2012. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, and we should and we should have beat them. And we, we, we when we looked at the film though, we had a lot of young people playing, and they did phenomenal. But you know. Experience is the best teacher. Exactly. You know, exactly. you gotta be out there to be in certain situations to understand when fatigue set in, how to not mean suck it up and still get the assignment. Exactly. Because you know, like wherever you at on the field, you got you got a job, you got a mm -hmm, man. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. like even even if you playing defense, you playing you got an area. Okay, don't just play an area, play a man. Like you mm -hmm, know, if somebody mm -hmm. coming in, you gotta read, you gotta read the offense, you gotta read whatever you got going on. Yeah. But you got young players out there, you just throw them into the fire. That's yeah, a big stage. Exactly. And people don't really understand that. Like uh, me, because I had Mike Daniels on uh, for like, for like uh, I think episode 12, and then we're doing another episode tomorrow. But people don't understand when you had those young guys out there, um, like I, we remember me and Mike Daniels senior year, we lost a lot of games. I think we ended up being eight and five, but we lost a lot of games because we had some young linebackers. And these guys ended up going being draft picks and still playing in the league now, like playing tomorrow. <laughs> but, yeah. but but they was 19 out there playing and didn't really know what they was doing. So we lost a lot of big games, like like close to margin, maybe two or three uh, point loss because they didn't know what they was doing. So uh, having those young guys out there, obviously it's good experience for them. Like you say, experience is the best teacher. But like you say, you're playing for a team and you're playing for your seniors, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that was, uh, that, was that, that, that was kind of tough to navigate through. Um, but yeah, man. I remember playing in the shoe, man. We played... Ohio State for the Big Ten Championship in 2009, and we lost by a field goal to overtime. But I just remember having, you know, I'm from, I'm from Ohio, so I, I'm sure T.O. probably had 50, 60 people there. I had 56 people at the oh, game. Oh, yeah, they, them, them Cleveland, look, everybody from Cleveland. And this is my thing, yo, <laughs> and you can attest to this, bro. I hate when people that don't play just want your tickets. Like, bro, like, bruh. look, look, look. <laughs> I don't care if, if if your family, that's the dream to come to Ohio State, whatever can be. Look, I know if I'm out of time, I'm using my tickets, bro. Like, right, right. Like, and they will, and they will hound you, bro. Did your people call you? Did your people call you? Bro, you, like, what you want your people to come up here for? Take pictures? Like, don't right. buy a ticket. Like, right. Man, bro, to this day, I tell people, people ask me all the time, because you know, I, I played in every Big Ten stadium, Miami, everywhere. They always ask me, what, what's the loudest, what was the loudest stadium? And I think the big house sit like 122,000, but it's still the shoe, man. When, when, they, when they made that, when they made that uh, field goal to go to the Rose Bowl, win the Big Ten, go to the Rose Bowl, we ended up going to the Orange Bowl. When I say that was the loudest, like like my ears was ringing for probably like the next three hours, man, from from the screams and how loud it was. But the shoe is just a different place to play in, man. Like people people don't really understand that unless you played in it, like if unless you played in front of that crowd. But it's just a different experience. I think with me, I played at uh, we played at Michigan '09 uh, when we beat Michigan at the Big House. Um, we did the shoe and um, that season. 
But I still think to this day, and people are like, and maybe you know another couple other people that can vouch for this, Boise State, bro. Oh, y'all played at Boise, Boise State? Boise State. Boise State was crazy. It's loud <laughs> as hell, bro. Like, Real. And I'm, it, it's, it is shocking because it's an open stadium. But yeah. the loudest part is like when you're going, like, of course, it's like going toward the students, the student section or whatever the case may be. But it be so loud and then it only be like 40,000, 50,000, like 40, 50,000 yeah. people. And yeah. it's like, yo, we played at Kansas when Kansas was number five in the country. When they had Akeem Tlaib, they had uh, uh, Briscoe, they had yeah, they had a squad. Uh, Kyle Reese was the quarterback, and they went up. They ended up going. They ended up almost winning. They won a Rose Bowl. I mean, the Orange Bowl that year. I remember that year. They won an Orange Bowl. Yeah. Um, that was loud. But Boise, oh my God! Like I did not <laughs> expect that because when it was it was empty before we came out. Yeah, yeah. We came out, it was packed to capacity, like shoulder to shoulder, like really shoulder to shoulder. And they had it rocking in there, bro. Like they had it rocking. I still to this they don't understand how that stadium is that loud. Then they expanded <laughs> it, but there's yeah. nothing else to do out there. So Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> there's that's nothing, nothing else to do during yeah, the football season. The people was nice, the potatoes was good, but that stadium was loud. <laughs> I put that I put that and I put uh the uh, the shoe. Like it's either the tie between that and the shoe. Yeah. Like yeah, it's tired, that's, bro. Like surprising how surprising how that sound, bro. It's like it's, that's it's, dope. That's it's, dope that you got that Boise State experience. Because every time I watch a Boise State game, I always hear the commentators talking about it, like you know, with with the different colored grass and just how enthused the fans are. So if you'd have that experience live in person, that's that 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 that's very very valuable, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. So man, talk about. Um, I think we I think we were in the same draft. You came out. You was 2012 draft or 2013. Twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we came out in the same draft. Talk about your draft mm-hmm. experience. Did you train in Toledo or did you train somewhere else? Were you hearing from a bunch of teams during your draft process? I know you signed with the Browns and had a super good preseason with the Browns as well. So just talk about um, you you know that process. Talk. Give me an inside look on draft day because draft day for me. Is a day that I literally hate reliving. <laughs> like it, Yo, word, it, 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 it shifted my, it shifted my mindset. It shifted my world. It shifted my world going through that, man. So just talk, give me an inside look on your draft experience, and then signing with the Browns, and just that those first like what six to eight months in 2012 training, and then getting drafted, and then not getting drafted, and then signing the PFA, and just all those things. Give me an inside look on that. So basically, um. Before I, I had broke my arm my senior year, like versus okay. Syracuse. But going into that, you know, like I'm up for the Dope Walker Award. Um, yeah. I'm on the watch list and everything. I got a second round draft grade. So now all I got to do now is, is stay healthy. Like exactly, I remember going into it. that summer, my my uh, my coach was like, uh, and this is still why he was my one of my favorite coach. Well, is my favorite coach of this day, Matt Campbell. He was like, look, the goal is to get you a thousand and a thousand and get you to be the one of the highest drafted running backs out of Toledo. Right. Loved him for that, cause when right. I, cause I saw it from game one all the way until I got injured. It was like if it wasn't in my hands, it was in Eric Page's hand. He's a Walter Campbell American. So yeah, it was like the team is running. The team is running basically through both of us. So I'm like, shit, let's let's get it. So, um, I get injured. So then did I, you, did I, you I, know about the? Did you know about the about like the insurance policy guys be signing? Like the health insurance policy guys be signing? Never knew nothing about that. Yeah, see, I didn't hear about that until. Like my senior year, but it's like, I think I—I I, I mean, I was—I've never seen a black person do it. I only seen white guys do it at Iowa. But like, if they supposed to be a high draft pick or maybe first two rounds going into that last year, 
that summer they signed some type of like health policy. So if they get hurt, they still touch like two or three M's or something because because, because they drop they, they draft stock gonna drop. But I, I had never that. heard or knew that until I saw that. But I only saw the white the white guys doing it. Yeah, I never knew that. So I'm uh I got second round draft grade, everything yeah. going good. Then I, I remember hearing arm. your name. I was tapped in like <laughs> anytime Toledo was playing. I mean, obviously I had Glenville guys, but I'm like, yeah. like I'm like this running back. They, he a, he an animal, <laughs> bro. I break my arm, so then I break my arm. I come back, so I battle all the way back to like a six round, uh, like basically a a, a potential second day, third day pick. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. I understand. So then, no bullshit. I'll never forget this day. First first round of the draft happened. Yes. <laughs> it's me, my mother, and my sister, and like my cousins or whatever. I was like, yo, I, don't, I was like, I don't want the embarrassment of everybody saying I get drafted or whatever the case may be. For yeah, yeah. So I'll never forget this. We sit down, the draft comes on. Tampa Bay got the pick, right? Why these motherfuckers called me, right? So now I'm like, I'm getting a little teary out and shit. They're like, hey, is it Adonis Thomas? So I'm like, oh. Oh, it's every day call you, yeah. <laughs> look, this the, look, 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 this is the first round when they called me. Like, no, and they had the pick when they so called me. So you probably thinking like, man, what? Man, hey, never. Yo, no bullshit. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I had to keep myself hyperventilating. I'm like, yo, this some wild shit. Like, yeah, this is some yeah. wild. So they going to back and they was like, um, uh, this is Adonis Thomas. So I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> They like yeah, it's like now nah, we just they like we just wanted to make sure we had a correct number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bro, uh, I, you I was sick, bro. Yo, I was sick, bro. I was sick. <laughs> Look, second round. I know you were sick, bro. Eagles did the same shit. The second they round, you, bro. Man, wow. Look. Minnesota called me the morning of the third round. I mean, the morning of the, uh, the third day. Minnesota called me. I spoke to Minnesota. <laughs> I spoke to Philly. Uh, who I speak to? Chicago had contacted me. Um, and then I, then like they I all like, called you to make sure they had the same, the right number. No, no, no I'm talking about like different days. Oh, okay, they was calling okay, okay, me, okay. like saying okay. if I'm still available, like okay, saying if I'm still you. available. Okay. So you know, you know how the end of the draft hit. Like everybody call you want to get want to get like the, the minimum for the free agent, whatever. Everybody. Yeah. I call me like, just come, just come, come, come. So yeah. I'm, I'm like trying to like weigh my options and shit. I'm like, all right, so I mean, Philly is a good thing, but Philly has shady and like, I'm like, hell nah, like, who the fuck going up there? Like, you know what I mean? They're just a rot. Like, that nigga's yeah. uh, he's unreal. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't going out there. <laughs> so then I'm looking around, seeing my options or whatever. And then I look at Cleveland, and I'm like, yo, that ain't a bad look. I mean, they drafted Trip, but shit, they ain't got no no change of face back. So right. I'm looking at that shit like, oh, all right, I'm in a, um, I'm in a good situation. So um, I'm like, I I take Cleveland. So I go to Cleveland and then like I balled out and then Mike Holgram just pulled the plug on me. He told me like he basically made a scenario up in the in a war room, like uh they had just drafted Trent Richardson, they had Montario Hardestry, mm -hmm. Brandon Jackson, and Chris Obanaya. And you know, they're in the AFC North. And he was just, he made a scenario like, Well, we're in the AFC North and we play the Ravens, we play the Steelers, and the Bengals were good at that time. You know, the Bengals were winning like, like between yeah, eight and 11 I remember, games or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was making so the playoffs every year. I remember that. Yeah, so he was like, if, if Trent Richardson were to go down, would you trust a 5'10", 185-pound running back getting 30 carries a game? <laughs> that was his scenario. And on top of that, he was the president of operations at the time. He's like mm -hmm. the president of the team. So what he said, go. But he just wanted a big-ass back, which he was yeah. handing the ball to. 
They so always come up with green. bullshit reasons. Yeah. You know how that go. <laughs> he wanted Armand Green. And then, like, yeah. I had terrible representation at the time. So his first option was, like, yo, go to Canada. Mm. And I'm like, yo, I just rocked out in the preseason. You should be working the phones. He like, I'm just telling you, man, go to Canada, go to Canada. He just stopped working for me. So I had did my little Canada thing for like what like a little bit and it wasn't really for me because it's not real football. Like people Yeah, who'd you uh, who'd you play for in Canada? Um my sign was Saskatchewan, okay. Edmonton, the okay. Argonauts. Like it was just like it's not real football. Like it's right. not the like, field, like, the field is bigger, you got moving men before the snap, you got to line up a yard off the off of the ball. I tried out for like damn near every CFL team, so I'm I'm pretty tapped in. Yeah, it's horrible, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, man, talk about after the, the CFL experience and all that, man. If you can remember, talk about maybe the day or the time period when you knew in your conscious mind that, like, you were done, that you were going to be done playing football. Was was it a good day? Was it a bad day? I, I'm Because I ain't going to hold you, and I'd like to be honest on my platform. It was a bad day for me, bro. It, it, it was a bad fucking six months. It was a bad year for me, just – being so invested in the game, uh, a 20 plus year relationship. I started playing at eight years old, stopped playing at 28. Like 20, a 20 year relationship for me to, for me to say like, all right, it's, it's done. I'm never gonna put shoulder pads on again. Never gonna put a helmet on again. It, it took a while for me to kind of reinvent myself and find out some other things that I was passionate about. That's how I got into the art. So how was your experience? Was it, a, was it an easy segue? Did you know what you wanted to do outside of football or what you kind of scrambling trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Um, I told I, I told my mother this. Um, I had like a mini little Vontae Davis moment. Uh, I mean, it was a Vernon Vernon Davis brother moment. Yeah, he was in um, he was in camp, and I had just signed with uh, the Argonauts, right? And one of my good friends, he uh, he's no longer with us. His name is Robert Eddings. Um, he got he uh, he was he played for the Bills, and me and him and a good friend of my friend uh, Carson Butler's, but Robert Eddings, he was like. We know we kind of hit it off instantly. We out there, we talking or whatever, and we yeah. just was like at practice, but we wasn't at practice. Yeah, like, we didn't care about nothing that was going on. Yeah, and then like we would get in for reps, and we just was like exercising. And then yeah. I realized like it wasn't really for me because it was kind of like the motions and moving on, running all back and forth and everything. But the uh, the, the the moment was like I was, you know, I'm like when you when you on your when you on your when you when you on it, you finishing runs. Yeah. And I mean, you closing out, hip tapping, whatever it is, you closing on the hip, whatever it is you got to do, yeah. you're just efficient. I got an angle route, right? And I literally <laughs> started jogging. <laughs> on the angle. Like, and you know that angle route, you're supposed to be explosive to, you know what I'm saying, cut out that. <laughs> no, I, I ran a good route. Okay. the ball hit my hand. Okay. I started jogging after I caught the ball. This linebacker, I, like, and it's no disrespect to Division three players, but he could have been a Division three player at best. <laughs> I'm jogging. <laughs> He strips me, right? He like he strips the ball from me. Yeah. So the whole, so the whole, the whole offense going crazy. And I just like started walking off the field, like nothing happened. <laughs> so that's hey, what yo, you knew, like, was like, yo, I'm just over this, like, I'm just over this, bro. Like, I, yeah. I really had lost love for the game because it was like, yo, if I'm not doing that at the highest level, right? And I know right. I'm capable of doing that at the highest level. Right. I don't even really want to be involved with it. Like right. it just it just made me lose my love for it because it was like this is what I'm reduced to. That's how I was looking at it. So right. Right. I just was like, you know what? I got a degree for free. Mm-hmm. I got a mm-hmm. whole bunch of opportunities and connections. And it was like I wasn't even sad about it. I was more so uh, the saddest part was getting cut. That was the saddest part. But mm-hmm. 
far as like my football just giving up on it, it was like when I was in Canada. Just like I don't see how people could just go out and just say I'm doing it for the love. Like I, I was never that. I saw it like I'm business minded. So I yeah, just I yeah. mean when you're young, yeah, of course you're doing it for the love. Mom taking you to practice, dad taking right. you to practice, or whatever right. the case may be. Ain't, 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 only thing you're doing is going out there having fun with some of your closest friends. But once you start climbing up a, a ladder, it becomes a business. Right. You really don't have that many friends. You have basically associates, you know? So, because, right. like, that locker room changes so often. Right. So, you know, you have people you cool with and everything like that. But it's kind of like, I saw how much of a business it was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my agent, I put me in a position to succeed. So, now I got to fire another, fire this agent, hire another agent. Mm-hmm. Then still mm-hmm. go bounce around all these workouts, be on all these short lists, people calling you to see if you're still active or you're still ready. And yeah. then be like, all right, we're just going to keep you on Still in shape. Bring you in. That's yeah. That's that's what I kept hearing uh, every every time my agent talked to teams. That's all I they kept saying like just stay in shape. He he's 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 on our list. Should injury strike? Blah blah blah. So yeah yeah I I know, I know that talk. Yeah man. So uh, so what what uh, what prompted you to to to, to get in the arts, man? Uh, Jobby Jobby Lobby Two out right now. Go 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 grab that if you're listening or watching. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Nah, look look look. It's, look, so you got to work with your Spanish. It's Javi Lobby. <laughs> see, you know, in Spanish, that J sound like an A. Okay, okay. Javi Lobby. Okay, I, I, I like that. I, I, I like that creativity. Nah, but, um, so, yeah, what prompted you to get into, into creativity, man? Because like, like I was selling, saying earlier, um, I feel like people always look at, athletes, look at guys crazy when you were an athlete and they know you as an athlete. And then you transition into the creative space. It's, it it be it be kind of like an energy, like what you doing in this creative space. But it's like I can be in this creative space. So like, what got you into that? And then you know how 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 was that how has that transition been for you? Um, that trans that transition was kind of easy for me, just simply because like if you talk to Ted, like I've always had the ability to put words together. Yeah. You know, like I always, you know, you just play around the locker room, rap and everything like that. But it always comes from a place of experiences because, you know, like a lot of my close friends, we share, like I share a lot of my life with you because if I feel like you're my friend, I'm having certain problems in life, you know, yeah. we got have certain conversations. So like a lot of my, I would say like 100% of my music is a uh, situation based because mm-hmm. we have so much going on where I'm from mm-hmm. and um, I'm just addressing it for real. So it's kind of like, I could basically be like, the uh the hood the hood reporter you know I can right. tell people that's not from where I'm from what's exactly. going on where I'm where I'm from exactly you, you dress think, it up you, in you a better light yeah you storytelling exactly yeah. dress it up in a better light because you know in this era we have a lot of rappers or a lot of people who um do music um who have uh personalities you know that's not really them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they might be on here with a hundred Dracos sold a hundred bricks and I mean kicked in a hundred doors or whatever but when you meet them. That's you can honestly go off the vibe like yo, that's not really you. Right, like, you can you tell. Don't really you, do that. You can always tell. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like you're right. you're a good guy, you know. So it's right. like, right. why not, why not be yourself? You know, like you'll be always respected wherever you go if you're yourself. You want to have people mm-hmm. that like you for yourself. You want people mm-hmm. that don't like you for yourself. But one thing people can always say that you're yourself. So it was easy for me to kind of like transition to that because kind of like okay, like. I could put Tay in some of my songs, like me being in Open Pit in Cleveland, or me being in Omar's, mm-hmm. or me mm-hmm. being like you feel me, like me being in that Kim's or something like that. Yeah, so, I heard you. Like, I heard you mention uh, Two One Six and and, and uh, Penny for your thoughts. I, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like as I'm saying, like my music, my music and my lifestyle, like they they wanted the same. So you know, um, it was easy for me to do that because it's like I'm just 
telling you my day. Like how we doing the interview right now, I was going to booth, I hear a nice beat, and then she'd be like, okay, cool. This beat made me think about this, or this beat made me think about that. Now I'm about to put you in the verse when I I'm about, I got a project coming out um in about okay. a couple of weeks. I, I gotta relay some, I gotta relay like two songs, so now I'm about to throw you on there. Hey, man. hey, like, hey, throw me on that joint. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's that that's that's what's up, man. Like I was saying earlier, uh the creative space is in general. I mean, I mean, like I said, I, I've been acting for like going on three years now, but but uh that's why I came up with that's why I came up with this podcast. Just I, it, because for years I kept trying to figure out like, man, what can I do that's free? Because I know all these NFL guys, I got all these relationships. Whenever guys come to, to where I'm at, uh we always kick it, we text, we, we we got a good relationship. But I'm like, what can I do that's free, that's authentic, you know what I'm saying, but it's valuable. And so I, 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 it took me years to come up with it, but I finally thought about, it. okay, I can do this podcast and I can get certain guys on. We can tell, tell our stories, all this stuff. It's, only, it's free. I'm not asking for no bread. It's just, it's time, it's conversation, it's authentic. And that's literally how I came up with the idea, but not diving into the arts, not having an interest in storytelling and stuff like that. I don't think that I would have been able to come up with this. So I can really appreciate an athlete, uh, taking that grind and that and that tenacity and that ferocity and putting it into the creative realm because a lot of artists artists really creative people um they're so creative but they don't have what we have from the athletics they don't have that consistency they don't have that that they selflessness don't, they don't have they, that they don't understand tenacity. That. yeah they don't understand what that is <laughs> so that's why i feel like what it is um like how how you said it you had to find something that basically you were naturally good at, yeah. you know? Because all you like, and, and it's dope that you're doing this because all you're really doing is connecting different locker rooms. Exactly. You feel what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of different locker rooms, you feel what I'm saying? You exactly. was in this locker room talking to this person because you're not there to speak for it or you know, you're, you're talking about this mindset or this person. So, you know, like it's it's, it's dope to do that. Exactly. And um, like, I, like also how you said like, it's just it's just something that you're naturally good at, you know. Right. Like it's just authentic. What you're doing right. is authentic. You know, it's right. not watered down. It's not diluted. And your athletic your athletic background helps you. Not I mean just be consistent at it. Exactly. Help you stay motivated and do it. Exactly. Because you, know, you know, like one thing one thing about having a good coach. If a good coach see you got some talent, that he can get the best out of you. He's gonna keep pushing you. But you exactly. also got to learn how to use that motivation on your own. Is what you're doing. Exactly. You know, being dedicated, exactly. honoring your commitments and all that. Being exactly. punctual, same thing we had to do, like the same <laughs> thing we had to do. Exactly, exactly. And so, and, and that's why I just really appreciate these kind of journeys, man, because we have those, we, we have we have certain abilities that other people don't have, man. Definitely, definitely. Oh, hold on, cause my, my phone about to dial a brown. Okay, okay. I just yeah, got I'm on 3%. I got I got I got one last question, man. And I'm 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 I'm, I'm sorry we've been chopping it up for so long. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I just got one last question. Okay. What would um so what would you say is Adonis Thomas's after effect from twenty plus years of playing sports? The the injuries, the wins, the losses, the travel, the 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 win, the 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 successes, the failures. What were some lessons that you that you learned that you would take and you would ingratiate into the next generation? You ingratiate into your family. Just as we try to push the culture forward. Um, one the biggest lesson that I learned is like always treat people with respect because you never know where that person will get to in life. Mm -hmm, I've mm -hmm. seen head coaches treat 
assistant coaches like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like embarrass them, mm-hmm. equipment managers, a whole and treat like treat them as like as if they were beneath them. Mm-hmm. And now these people that they treated that were beneath them. They winning. <laughs> winning. I've yeah. seen teammates who were superior to other teammates as far as like skill set disrespect people in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. you need this man to try to put you in a position to get a job. Right. Now, right. Now, now you need this man to network for like with and stuff like that. Or right. uh even business venues where you used to go to certain bars and disrespect mm-hmm. people and everything. Like all that stuff comes full circle. Always. So it's always about how you treat people. I've always learned like from, from sports, treat people with respect and honor your commitments. That's the mm-hmm. best thing I could teach anybody. That's one thing I always pride myself on. I always treat people the way I want to be treated. And mm-hmm. if I say something, if I say I'm going to do something, I always follow through. Definitely, definitely, man. And, and, and that's a powerful after effect. Uh, you know, treating everybody with respect because it always comes around full circle. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you carving out the time, bro. Um, that's actually all I had. And we will continue to try to try to stay in touch, man. Continue to build. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me, man. You got a dope setup. And anytime you need me to come back, I'm all for it, bro. Hey, 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 we we gonna we gonna do it, man. I may have to do like a like a jersey round table with you, Mike and Dez, man, and we and we and we, and we kick game hey, and knowledge. Up, and, man. I, yeah. I, I, I get love out there in Cleveland, man. I tell Tay I'm coming to town. <laughs> all right, okay, bro. Well, take it easy, man. Happy Saturday and, and, and y'all be safe, man. All right, saying to you, bro. All right, peace. All right. Yeah, guys, so uh, I appreciate you listening to episode 43 with Adonis Thomas. Obviously, you can tell he has a super, super powerful story um, from, you know, the the mean streets of Newark, New Jersey, and then the University of Toledo, and then playing for the Browns, and then playing in the CFL for several teams, and then now he's an artist. Uh, you know, go go grab go grab his music on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you, wherever you get your music from. Uh, right now, his latest project... Uh, I'm Javi Lobby too. <laughs> I said it wrong earlier. Uh, so yeah, just a, just a super dope conversation. Uh, like I said in the last episode, we're almost done with merch. Still working on the Patreon account. Still trying to get over the nerves of 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 actually physically selling something and making a profit and just all those kinds of things. Just being honest, but it's it's coming. It's, it's definitely coming. So yeah, to the next episode. Peace.